Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJR Timas. And I'm Andy Kinnan. And today we're going to be talking about Bible Adventures for the NES. <laughs> Bible Adventures was a game released in... Re- released... Oh, <coughs> What's going on? I feel... I feel so strange. What's happening to Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What are you talking about? I feel fine. You were doing the intro, but you just passed out and your eyes went white. Shut up. I'm fine. Just, let's do that again. Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherford. I'm JJR Teamfest. And I'm Andy Kenny. Today we're talking about Doom. Doom was released in 2016. It was developed by id Software and published by Bethesda Studios. Um, The game actually, at the time of this recording, just came out last month. And uh, I am just so jazzed on it. Unbelievably jazzed. Yeah, like just just uncontrollably jazzed. Impressively jazzed. I would say believably jazzed. Okay. Believably jazzed about this game, uh, which is why I sort of insisted... That we do it uh, for this week's episode. Nobody so, opposed you, though. So that's true. Is that really insisting? Yes, well, it's still insisting. I did insist, All but right. nobody said no. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not like 100% sure uh, where you guys want to start, but the thing that I noticed the most about this game, and like, it's really evident from the get-go, uh, along with a lot of things that are evident from the get-go, <laughs> this, this game pulls no punches Quite literally. It comes on strong. Yeah. Um, but, like, a lot of people, when they saw that Doom 2016 was coming out way back in, I want to say in, like, E3 2014? Are you it? referencing the trailer? Because right. that was my first introduction to yeah. the knowledge about the game, was when they released that first teaser that was just a crazy hell skeleton man with rocket launcher shoulders. Revenant. Branching launchers from his shoulders. Right. <laughs> Doing <laughs> what he does. And that's all that was there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's what this is. Mm. And I just let it seep out of my memory. But you did not. No. I, uh, I was actually, like, a little bit upset at the initial trailer for this game. Huh. Uh, because it didn't... All right. I don't want to get like into the mechanics right now, obviously. Sure. But uh, one of the like primary, both like attacks and weirdly means of locomotion in this game are glory kills, where you like do it does like a close up of the demon as you like rip it apart in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the trailer like featured those like a lot to the point where like it made the game seem like it was just being gratuitous for the sake of it. And it's really hard to convey what's good about this game in a trailer anyway. Because, like, it, it's a lot about game feeling that makes this game good, as opposed to, like, what's actually on screen. Like, I have a whole bit that I've, uh, like, come up with dealing with the aesthetics of this game and how they're, like, kind of incongruent with the way they're supposed to be intended. Yeah, and I assume that that's going to be the part of the discussion where you sell me on this game not being gratuitous for gratuitous' sake and being good at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but 
after that trailer came out, uh, there was a lot of sort of sourness about the trailer uh, on the internet. Um, some people were really excited, but I think that a large majority of those people were, uh, I don't know, it was like, it was a vocal minority kind of situation. I got the impression that people were ready to hate this game. Yeah. Especially with the multiplayer beta that came out yeah. prior, and it was just panned, and like, across the, the board. Uh, what do they call it, the review embargo? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they had an embargo after well. a while. Right. But, uh, and <laughs> that combined with the lukewarm reception of Doom 3... And its subsequent uh, expansion pack, and its like re-release that had some even more mediocre content attached to it. Jesus, I didn't know either. Of the last two things existed. Oh yeah, Maybe. I've played Resurrection of Evil, but I have not played the the BFG editions like extra levels. But I've heard they're not very good. Yeah. Um, and I'll defend Doom Three <laughs> forever because I really like that game. Uh, but because of all of that, I think people sort of expected Doom 2016 to try and, like, imitate the 1993 Doom in a lot of ways. Not, obviously, like, strict gameplay mechanics, <laughs> uh, but in a way that, like, mimicked, like, the feel of it. And uh, Doom 2016 just sort of, like, ripped Doom 1993's arm off, <laughs> beat its head in with it, and then just wore the best bits like a macabre necklace of ears... <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Doom 1998 at this point, sorry, 93, Doom 1993 at this point is like, what, that's 10, 30, like 23? 23 years Yeah. Old. He's like an, he's like an aging man. If Doom 1993 was in the NFL, he would also be getting the shit kicked out of him and having all of his parts ripped <laughs> off into like macabre yeah. accessories. <laughs> Doom 3, yeah, not Doom 3, uh, but Doom 2016 has obviously like tried to take what the spirit of the first Doom was and transplant it into a new setting, but the game is so much more complex than that. And I feel like that's what people weren't expecting and like what makes this game good from like a an, like an old-timey shooter fan perspective. Well, I have None of that perspective, so I'm going to need to just rely on you for this purpose. I also have none of that perspective. <laughs> but literally, my entire like childhood exposure to Doom was a thing, was that I know that it was one of the two video games that my stepfather was obsessed with. It's, this is very much a stepfather video game. So well, not this one. No, it's, yeah, Doom this is, was very much. This a is not video your game. stepfather's Doom. <laughs> Uh, and on that rousing first note, uh, what do you think the most striking? What what do you think was the most striking thing about Doom? The striking, the part the, where people are hit in the face multiple times over and over again in gory chunks, and just the like spines that come out of half exploded fat people and they sort of just hang around until they burn up into. Really, I'm, I call it hell dust. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually find. That I imagine that's got to be a memory thing. Like they only do that because they can't just have corpses littering yeah, of course. the field. This is because like it, well, in 1993's Doom, they just became like a corpse sprite <laughs> on the floor, and so that was something they did away with. God, you can tell. I bet that that was in an early design document as like a 
hopeful thing that this game would be able to do. <laughs> like, leave the corpses around? Leave all the gore everywhere yeah. you're at, no matter where you're going. Make it all persistent. And <laughs> that became impossible fast. Because there's so many enemies. Good dream, though. Yeah. Quality dream. But yeah, it was... The thing that I found striking about the game is mostly that I don't have a lot of perspective with games like this. Uh, even things like as recent as like Hot My Hotline Miami style engagement, and like it was it was just a huge culture shock for me essentially. Like it's it's I can tell that it's good at what it's trying to do, but my understanding of so many of the things that it's referencing is such surface level that I feel like the only competent opinion that I can give is the opinion of someone who knows none of this. Like, I can tell you what I thought. Right. about Doom as I learned about it and like the weird ridiculous scaling that I entered but a, a lot of the time I'm worried that I'll come back to points where I'll be like why was this here why did why is the final boss like a giant brain mech and I'm like I, I bet that, that that exists in the original Doom right there's a giant brain mech uh I don't know if it's in the original Doom if it was it was in Final Doom, uh, but that was the original, fi I think it was the final boss of the second but, episode of Doom 2. Sure. Regardless, it's a reference, right? It's a thing that existed in, in one of the older PC Doom games. Well, but it's not a reference, though. That's the thing. Like, when you see, when, when Dark Souls 3 has a silver knight, you don't go, that's a reference to Dark Souls 1. Okay, point. You go, that's an enemy in this game series that I expected to see here because of its lineage. Sh sure. Then, let. in that case, that point is equally valid to what I'm talking about here, which is, there's no way that I could have expected that. <laughs> right? Which I am kind of jealous of. Because that's the kind of, like, obtuse, like, craziness that, like, the, the Doom games... 23 years ago brought to the table where you're just like what in the hell is going on <laughs> what in this specific hell is happening yeah. and your answers that you get are either vague, absent or in the form of text that you won't read because you're the doom guy and why would you do that I, I read a little bit of the text <laughs> I, I feel like I want to give Andy a chance to respond here but I do have some things on that uh, I guess I'm in the same boat as JJ, mm -hmm. but even more so, because I'm uh, not a shooter fan. I guess the thing I found most striking about the game is that I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you liked you liked this game? Yeah. Oh my god. We're it's... gonna make you play so many games where you murder <laughs> people and things and creatures. It's, it's just so much death in your future. Okay. See, I think that the reason that Andy liked it, though, is not it, this ties in to, to what I wanted to say before. Good, is out that, with it. I'm doing it. Out uh, with it, man. <laughs> uh, like you wonder, like why uh, there's why the Spider Mastermind is the final boss of the game. Oh, the Spider Mastermind. The Spider Mastermind, or like the Cyber Demon, or uh, any of those like completely ridiculous constructs, cacodemons and such, uh, are in the game, and it's not like... The, the thing that I think people are getting caught up in, and that I think that in order to, like, see that this game, at least in my opinion, is probably, like, one of the best games that's going to be released this year, 
is to abstract that away from its original home. Like, the fact that Cacodemons are in this game and that the character designer did an amazing job, uh, designers, I presume, yeah. in taking the, like, the sprites and the reimaginings from Doom 3 and making the characters still recognizable this many years into the future over so many different, like, iterations is, like, that is no short of astounding, not nothing short of astounding, but I think that this game exists on its own perfectly well. Like, without any baggage from the 93 games. It, it, it's not a game that's good because of how much, like, Doom it is. It's a game that's just really fucking good. That just has design sensibilities lifted from the early 90s and the early 2000s and mashed together before, like, what became mainstream shooters in, like, the 360 PS3 era happened. Which, I mean, I don't want to shit on those games because some of them are quite good, but, like, this game does want to shit on them. It wants to <laughs> rip their heart out and shove it down their throat. I think I would agree with all those statements. <laughs> I would agree with the statements info insofar as I believe that the, if this game was sentient, it would want to rip all things <laughs> out of all people and shove them down all throats. One hundred percent on board with that statement. Yeah, and just this game, from what I know, seems just like a return to form of the way that like first the way that first person shooters started out. Yeah, which, especially like, PC right, and shooters. they don't make them that way anymore. So this game is catering to that audience. What is that way Me specifically? Is that way not cover based, no regenerating health, just quicker? Yeah, I don't. The only weapon that reloads is the super shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it, the the games that I like have the most like affinity for that always try and hark back to the olden days are the Serious Sam games, specifically Second Encounter to uh, the GameCube Serious Sam and Serious Sam 3. There was a Serious Sam on the GameCube? Yeah, it was originally called Word to Your Mothership, but they fortunately dropped that <laughs> asinine subtitle. That's <laughs> such a 90s, like... I don't know, the GameCube was like, 04. Yeah, I would say, the GameCube is from the early 2000s, yeah. but that's such a 90s title. Yeah. But, like, Doom surpasses Serious Sam in almost every design way. Serious Sam obviously has its ties into Duke Nukem 3D, because it's Serious Sam. They basically, he's just an updated Duke. He's a Croatian Duke Nukem. <laughs> <laughs> no, Serious Sam's nationality? Well, he's American in the games, but the developer is a Croatian developer. Oh, okay. Uh, unlike 3D Realms, who are an American developer. Um... Yeah, JJ. Either way. What Croatians look like. <laughs> uh, oh, the thing that I, that I was trying to get to is that the game just takes lots of things that are fun and puts them into a box that doesn't need to explain itself. Why am I shooting these things? They're demons from hell. Why do they look weird? They're fucking demons from hell. Right. Why do I need to kill them all? Demons from hell. Stop asking questions. <laughs> Here's your shotgun. Here's a chain gun. Go to town. I think this is one of the things that you're getting at here that was a big takeaway for me, and I think is part of the reason why I liked it, 
I got stumbled upon the kind of shooters I like, which are ones that are like unapologetically video gamey. Mm. Like, I don't want to play a shooter that puts me in like a realistic situation, like a military based <laughs> thing where it's like there's a reason to be killing other soldiers, etc., etc., etc. Like, I want a game where I just like fucking demons rip their heads <laughs> off and shoot the crap out of them. <laughs> And it's lots of fun to do. Yeah, it's it's a game that revels in the fact that it doesn't require an explanation. Like you seem perturbed by this. Like was it the violence? No, 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 no. Sorry, (laughs) there's just a lot. Okay, there's just a lot happening in the Doom Sphere. (laughs) The Doom Sphere uh, presumably was a cut level from this (laughs) game. (laughs) It just the game because it was just so. Like just straight up like video gamey. Like you, you hit things with a chainsaw, they explode into ammo. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, they're actual like ammo pickups. They left the god damn it, they left the armor sprite to be like a literal shield or suit of like a piece of chain mail. You're on Mars in the distant future, taking orders from a robot and fighting flying Beholders. Yeah, and I say, and because of those like design decisions, at least for me, that just made the game way more fun. <laughs> it made the game more fun. You have to mutually admit, though, that there was a miscommunication somewhere with the story team, right? I feel like the story team like produced a story without it knowing about it, <laughs> <laughs> and they just like put it in the game. Like they got voice actors, and they. It seems like the kind of thing where like the producers or something, someone was like, "There's got to be a story in the game." And they yeah. were like, "Fine," <laughs> <laughs> but. Like, God, they could have done so many ridiculous things. Even within the confines of what they did, imagine the, if they like the message that the mechanics send to the player was reinforced in all of the like corporate obligatory cutscenes that would have to be in the game. Imagine if you walk in the nine foot tall there robot no cutscenes in this game, except for enemy introduction cutscenes. Oh no, there are. I mean, there's it's all of, consistent, like, but there's multiple times where you, you can't guns. move or look different directions. There are a couple of times. Yeah. Most of the time you can... I remember because I was replaying the game again today. Because I really <laughs> like this game. Uh, and there's a whole scene where you're in uh, Samuel Hayden's office and he's like, take all the supplies you need. Yeah. And then he goes on and he starts talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's talking about. But the whole time I was just like running in circles around his desk and double jumping into the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I feel like there should be an achievement for this. Like, just not paying attention to any plot significant detail. The game does, like, make you roleplay Doom Guy in that way. Because yeah. I did the same thing. <laughs> like, anytime I was forced into a room, I would do this, like, lapse around it and jump everywhere. Like, I feel like Doom Guy would be like, come on! Yeah, that's not what I thought you were referencing, though. Let's just shoot shit. There are times the game literally just forces you to be the guy who doesn't care. Like, the entire early plot point where you're just blowing the fuck out of those machines that no and want you to blow up right. just because it's slightly yeah. more convenient for you to smash them in right. than do anything careful or yeah they make a very like tongue-in-cheek like joke where he's where the narrator sam hayden is like you need to individually remove the filters carefully <laughs> to shut down the portal and like you guys like looking at it like he just kind of like slaps the side <laughs> and, like your camera's shifting around and he's just like <laughs> just shatters it, which is great. Right. 
that is what I wish they had kept as a consistent attitude through the entirety of the game, and I think is a way that they could have still done, still had the game have some semblance of a story, with it still being like a positive, enjoyable addition to the game. My, like, imagine if you go into Samuel Hayden's office at the scene you were talking about, and instead of the game forcing you to put your gun down, you, you just, just had to shoot the fuck out of him. Yeah, you just had the active player option of sit there and do what you were already going to do and progress with the game, or just destroy him. <laughs> at that point, think of how like that reinforces all of the themes that they're going for. You could have continued doing everything else that you were going to do, since it was all about you know trying to shut down demons and portals and murdering things and doing all the expected video gamey stuff. Right. The only difference is that it would have knocked out their possibility to have a stupid, to be continued ending with a <laughs> robot sword guy. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. Yeah, I have no no qualms about saying that was pretty trash. My theory on that, while that sounds cool, I feel like who's the director of this game? Or, like, who was in charge of this game? Is it anybody notable? I really should have looked this up, because um, Doom 3 was uh, John Carmack, but John Romero didn't make a return. John Romero's always been, like, the gameplay-focused guy, yeah, and John Carmack on wanted to do, like, atmospheric stuff. I'm not... We're, we're going to look it up now. But either way, right. J- JJ will look it up. Yep. But it's either whoever was in charge hates story and video games so much... That when they were required to put one in, they weren't going to devote time and energy <laughs> into put, making a good story. They're like, we'll shove a, we'll bury a generic story in here, right. and everyone will ignore and it. Any, and like at every point we have the opportunity to do so, we will poke fun at the fact that, that there's there is a story. a story. Yeah, I think that's what they were going for. Okay, this game was co-directed by Marty Stratton and Hugo Martin. I have no idea who the second guy is because he doesn't have a Wikipedia link, although I can keep Googling in the future. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, Marty Stratton is a guy who took over at it in 2006 and has only worked on Quake Live, Rage. If You definitely don't remember Rage, I but very, you remember Rage. I do remember Rage. Yeah. I played it for a little while. He, made, he, he worked on Rage and this game and Quake Live, and that is it. That makes a lot of sense because <laughs> Quake Live... Which is just the browser version of Quake, right? I wouldn't know. I'm pretty sure that Quake Live was just the, like, what was their free-to-play, like, browser Quake game that their idea was to, like, respond to games as a whole by being like, do you remember, hey, (laughs) 30-somethings, do you remember when you used to play Quake at work when your boss wasn't around? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> here is Quake in a browser so you can do it again and this time you can just alt tab out of it <laughs> that's uh yeah um but yeah so that's just like a fast paced arena shooter yeah this is a fast paced arena shooter and Rage was a poorly received open world fast paced arena shooter yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that both of those guys hate story, hate story and video games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even remember what like the intended story of Rage is, but there's a it's called Rage. <laughs> like, wait, I don't know what you expect from that. I don't even remember why people disliked Rage because just like the Doom trailer, it was one of those just pieces of media that just went in one ear and out the other because I wasn't the intended market for it. Right. 
I don't know. I don't know really anything about the game that much. Maybe we'll look it up on the break. We could, if we want to continue talking about Rage in the second half. <laughs> we'll probably forget about it. Yeah. But I think that um, in response, to, like the thing that I want to say about this, the the like aesthetic quality of this game, uh, that I feel like is probably one of the things that people who are not in the intended audience probably put this put them off a little bit mm-hmm. is with the prevalence of things like glory kills plus like you know context sensitive damage so you can like blow a dude's head off or like shoot half his body off or whatever is involved in that in you know in your slaughter uh the like gore even though the game is framed in like a modern like a s- graphical sense the game is almost cartoonish in the way that it handles it and by almost, I mean obtusely cartoonish. And I said almost by mistake. <laughs> I would, actually, I'm willing to disagree on this point, because this was one of the few takeaways that I had about the aesthetics coming from the perspective of someone who didn't, had no familiarity with these things before. Mm-hmm. My line for cartoonish was as soon as you get to hell. Like, I thought all the things that you're exposed to pre-hell... On Mars? Yeah, are like a completely reasonable thing to be sort of shown in, a, like, a modern shooter setting with, like, all the, like, horror elements in it. Because if I remember right, you have, like, the giant beef guys who just smash things with their fists, the regular demonic, sort of demonic-looking imps, uh, and, like, the laser guys who yeah, are just dedicated laser people. Yeah, the, the only enemies that you have, and this is, I think that the early parts of this game are probably the weakest parts, um, starting with the foundry, uh, which is the level, it's, like, a huge cube level where you just jump around and you have to destroy four gore nests. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't know if you recall the level, uh, is yep. where I think the game really sort of takes off. Because for the first like three levels of this game, your only enemies are the possessed, uh, imps, hell knights, and hell razors, and they're just sort of like close range guys, projectile guys, go to town, and it's kind of it's a little drab. And you get, like, the heavy machine gun and the shotgun and the pistol and your equipment, and that's it. And so right after that point, though, they start introducing new enemies on, like, a much more frequent basis. Yeah. Like, pretty much one a level. An alarming basis. Yeah. You probably get intentionally. Re- yeah, you get Revenants, <laughs> then you get Mancubus, uh, Cacodemons show up once you get to hell. Like, it's, like, the once the, the number of enemy types ramps up and the encounters get more complex, the game becomes like a blast. Because, literally. Yeah, it has good pacing in that way. Like, at the beginning, it lets you get a little bit comfortable. Right. And then it, like, just totally throws you curveball. It continues to throw you (laughs) curveball. The beginning only sucks if you're, like, very familiar with shooters going in. Because you're, like, then you're going through the motions. You're, like, alright, I get the pistol... I shoot a couple of guys. I think I shot three guys with the pistol in the whole game. I, I shot the first three guys that you have to shoot with a pistol. I guess I could have punched them to death if I wanted to do, like, a pure no-pistols playthrough. I do that with a couple of enemies every once in a while. I just, like... Just beat them to death. It's great. If it's, like, the last you enemy around, usually your hit will stun them, and then you can... Yeah. But yeah, once you get the shotgun, it's basically Shotgun City all the way up until you get the machine gun. 
I see no reason to use the pistol. I used it once to get one of those challenges, which was to kill a Macubus with a pistol. But I think that was the only other time. I think the slow introduction is mostly for people like me. I, I think they're making the bet that they really want people to get used to the idea that it's not the ways in which you aim that matter. It's more your positioning relative to what's happening in the level. Oh, God. Yeah, like like if in every other conventional shooter, even something like Bioshock, like the environments are literally just too small in a lot of cases for your relative positioning to matter a lot. You always have like hallway scenarios and cover scenarios. Right. But you're never having to run like you have to in Doom. And they give you the shotgun and just the shotgun for a long time to teach you that you have to run to things. You have to yeah. get to the enemies to shoot them. And they're hoping that you don't switch back into old habits when they give you a regular machine gun again. Right. Which I actually did a couple of times and got punished for really, <laughs> really heavily. Yeah. Did you ever uh, get the uh, scope weapon mod for the machine gun? I got all of the weapon mods. Wow, wow. Yes. You play uh, this, like, completion style. I didn't. Uh, this will probably be something I get into later, uh, but there were a couple of times the game glitched and or had weird design decisions that annoyed me because it, either the glitches or the decisions kept me from going back and actually being the completionist that I wanted to be. Oh, like, actually... Well, yeah. that's, like... I don't know if this is something that we should just talk about later, um, but the level design does sort of, like... is one of the places that I feel like they just sort of lifted... I mean, obviously they didn't lift the bullet mazes from, like, Wolfenstein and Doom, but they did take, like, the idea of just being, like... I mean, the game is segmented into levels. Yeah. Intentionally, so that if you do want to, like... And they give you the locations of all the secrets on the map if you just spend some Praetor tokens on it. Yeah. So, like, I think their intention is for you to just replay the to, to get the things that you passed. I got the uh, the secrets really early because I wanted to experiment with all it the It was the first thing mods. that I got. Yeah. yeah. So it made me the completionist really fast, and I got annoyed at times when just random glitches would happen that would keep me from doubling back on places. Yeah. But that's not an intentional decision. I shouldn't fault them for that too heavily, since I think I only encountered things like that like two or three times the whole time I was playing. More than your average game, but not enough that I thought it was really damaging. And yeah. it's really not what the game itself is really asking of you. What the game's asking of you uh, is death and want and destruction at all times. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You mentioned, like, the movement and how, like, the game wants you to run toward things. Yeah. Almost every... With the exception of, like, Hell Knights, I think oh, exclusively, I think are the only enemies in the game that don't have a ranged attack. And even they can do, like, a flying 70-foot <laughs> leap yeah. and just smash your brains out if they choose to. And you still have to run in that circumstance. You're just running away. Right, right, right. Yeah. You still no option for sit tight and have a defensive position. Well, see, the, the optimal strategy, I think, to, like, take anything down in this game, like anything that takes more than a couple of shots, mm -hmm. tends to just be, like, the Windex method. Like, you want to go in circles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, just always be rotating around everyone. That circle strafing that was... Oh, not circles around the area, circles around the enemy? The enemy. Oh, because that I keeps, did that a lot. Yeah. You picked up on... For somebody who's never played shooters before... Yeah. Barely has played shooters before. Right. You picked up on the rhythms of an old shooter, like, in a, like in an, on an astonishingly yeah. fast rate. I really... 
like this is just me again. Like, right. I'm not saying for shooters to be good, they have to do these things. But like for me to like them, I think like the, the offensive like nature of this game, I think just was a lot more fun to me than like something that's like cover based. Yeah. I liked having to like run up to the enemies to shoot them and then punch their head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like uh... it just feels a lot more involved. Yeah, uh, you have to like keep everything in mind at once, and the reason for that, and the reason that I like this game so goddamn much, uh, among other things, but I like the, the this like rhythm of shooter is because the enemies in this game, and I should have looked this up, but I didn't. Uh, I don't think any of your weapons are hit scan weapons, and I don't think that any of the enemies' weapons are hit scan weapons, meaning that. For every time that you or an enemy shoots, you have there's an opportunity to just get out of the way of it. Whether it's like a slow moving fireball, rockets, uh, a huge hell knight flying through the sky, like the green orbs that the barons throw, mm-hmm. like everything is something that you can dodge, and everything needs to be led, and like you 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 can't just point your gun at an enemy and shoot them until they die. You have to. Always be on the move, dodging their projectiles. Keeping an eye on other things and dodging their projectiles. And making sure that your bullets are going to land or that you just put enough lead downrange that they're going to die regardless. Way, way long ago, right. uh, you led into this last whole like, spiel we were having by saying that you thought that the gore and everything was cartoonish. Oh, and yeah. And JJ disagreed with you? I disagreed up until you reach hell. Okay. I was going to agree with Chad. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to like make that point because I thought that was an interesting discussion that we just kind of skipped past. When I was playing it, I like noticed the gore, but I was never like, "Oh my god, the gore!" <laughs> like you know, like it just like I don't know. I just never felt like this game was like too over the top or like excessive, right? In what it was doing, I can understand making the argument of like the game is itself so over the top that it desensitizes you to anything that's going on and you no longer register it as the kind of violence presented True. but what could even be more over the top than this <laughs> uh, maybe if you replaced like the demons with like kindergartners <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't think that's what people mean by over the top. It's pretty, you just go full over postal. The yeah, they don't. That's it's like, over the top of like so, like a legal bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I think that that is con- like that constitutes obscenity in 2016. <laughs> it was, maybe this is me just not understanding what, what phrases mean and their origins or things. But I was already oh I was always I under think, the impression I don't know, for some reason like the fact that they are like horrible monstrous demons. <laughs> Like, makes it seem, like, totally fine that yeah. you're ripping their heads up. That's like, that is a legit, like, thing that people, especially when, like, especially ratings boards, seem to take into account that if you're murdering, like, a monster, even in a more horrible way than you could possibly imagine, <laughs> it is somehow better than if you're killing a human being. Which I think it's is like the true. I- yeah, I- it's the idea that, like, they are pure fucking evil. Yeah, they come literally from <laughs> So, like... I-, I get that. I think you guys are arguing over a point that I don't even necessarily hold. I'm mostly right. just I'm trying to jokes. say... <laughs> that, yeah, yes, you are, just, Chad. We're just, uh, is that when you say something's over the top, like, I don't think this game would be more over the top 
if all the enemies you faced were just like regular people with guns. I think clearly what it means when you say something is over the top is that you're not fighting soldiers, you're fighting fucking demons from <laughs> outer space. Wow! <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, even that is actually... Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the game is so tongue-in-cheek. I will say that the music is totally over the top. <laughs> yeah. And it's so good. It's very good. Yeah. The music is... W- it all fits, yeah. <laughs> In a, a circumstance I'm surprised actually happened, uh, my mother watched me play this game, hypnotized by the murderous, violent person she was watching me become in front of her eyes. Right. Uh, <laughs> I sort of pointed out to her, because I guess she'd never even encountered or realized this could be a thing that exists, uh, the way that the music sort of flows together in this game, like like active... What's the, this is like a technical term dynamic. for this. Dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dynamic based on your responses, music. Uh, and that's... Oh, man. They do, they do that so well in this game. Yeah. The only time that I think it falls a little bit short is when there's like one dude left in the arena and you try and to you, find him and it's like dun, 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 and you're just like running around like behind a box my, you're like, like uh, me remembering it wrong but like doesn't it slow down it does it just it like has... it goes from being like <laughs> to being like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cool it is it's very cool <laughs> there's so much mouth guitar in this episode already uh <laughs> Basically, like the way that the music seems to like function is, it's like when you enter a an arena, mm-hmm. like it starts its battle music, and then the bigger and more enemies show up, the like it raises its like it raises everything, like just speed, like volume, <laughs> intensity, yeah. and then as like the numbers dwindle and you get to the lower ones it goes back to like its starting music and then it will fade naturally into the ambience that's usually playing in the background when you're not in a big fight the ambience specific to the environments that you're in right generally it's so subtle uh, and the background noises that you hear around you are so loud that you don't notice or care anyway unless you're in the hell dimension which right. has some really aggressive Latin ambience. <laughs> it's good. So, like, uh, every time that I would finish, like, a big battle, mm-hmm. and it would just have that choir going, <laughs> yes. I was just like, oh, like, this is, this is, like, really loud. <laughs> now, yeah, it is really smart the way that it's, like, the, it's designed, because it would appear that there is just a track playing in the level. Right. And then as enemies start to show up, they put layers over top of it until it gets all the way up to the top. And then as you keep killing them, they peel them away and it comes back down. (laughs) The Latin choir is still present. During the like murdering fights, yeah, it's just like really aggressive. Yeah, it's just the last thing that ends with yeah, that that, that ends the song. See, I just think that's a really smart way of like designing the dynamic tracks. Yeah, because this game just like there, no, there's no other soundtrack that works with this game. Like, no, I can't imagine like a video gamey like techno soundtrack. I couldn't. Im- I certainly fucking couldn't imagine like an orchestral soundtrack. <laughs> To this game. Like, this game, you look at it, and you're like, what music is that going to have in it? It's like, probably heavy metal, wailing guitars, lots of double bass. The I think that, like, the or- evolution of metal as a, as a genre of music played its way into this game. Because if you listen to the, like, the soundtrack to the 1993 Doom, you hear these, 
melodic riffs and very like late seventies, early eighties metal inspired thing. There's also some like kind of industrial sounds as well. You yeah. Some like nine inch nails. Uh, but then this game sounds like more modern speed metal. Yes. Which is crazy town. Because somebody was, like, the people who made Doom were metalheads in 1993, <laughs> and they're fucking still metalheads now, and they're just keeping it going. They kept up with the times. Yeah. The only other kind of soundtrack I could even possibly imagine is, like, some kind of choir of people singing, like, demonic-sounding music. <laughs> just in every hell level, it's just, like, yeah. a, a Like, terrifying... screechy horror violins. <laughs> yeah. yep. like, that's the only other possible thing, and I think the game would be a lot less fun that way. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's basically, like, the soundtrack to Doom 3, because Doom 3 was a horror game, and right. this game says, fuck that shit. They had, like, this one part in the start of the second level where you have to, like, go turn the lights on, and there's, like... You start out in the dark. Excuse me, is this in Doom, or am I misremembering something in in, in Doom 3? No, this is in Doom 2016. Okay. So, you walk into this room that's just pitch black. Not pitch black, it's pretty black. (laughs) It's It's a high degree of dark. Yeah, it's very dark. uh, Exceptional night. (laughs) Advanced darkness. Advanced darkness. Yes. Uh, And when you... uh, you walk in, and there are, like, some imps and some of the uh, possessed. And you gun them down, and you go through a door. And then you, like, flip a switch, and then it's just, like, bright lights and demons. And you, <laughs> you just run back out, drop down into, like, a vehicle bay, and you're in another arena, shotgun in hand, ready to wreak havoc. It's just... Mm. It, it, it feels like it's a nod, or maybe just a middle finger to Doom 3, where it's just like, remember like the scary portions of Doom 3? And then they were just like, well, fuck them. <laughs> open the windows, let the light in. <laughs> See the murderers you are about to commit. Oh. They're not murderers, they're demons. Well, though, actually, the possessed, because I do know a little bit about the story. Oh, God. Uh, Olivia Price, Olivia Newton John. Yeah, Olivia Newton John. The primary antagonist of this game. Uh, like, she opened something. Something happened. I don't. I don't know that part. <laughs> oh my God! The slur <laughs> that caused like the Lazarus wave to go over the the UAC, United Aerospace Corporation, uh, facility, <laughs> and it uh, like all of the people inside of it got possessed. Okay. So those people, I guess, are still alive and real people. All the the all you the people were possessed line is literally the first line in that statement that was not just nouns that was not just like and then the hell wave came and did the hell wave things. Well, I mean, like what do you this. expect when the hell wave comes? You know. Oh Christ! Do you want to take a prank? Yeah, yeah. Man, this is the first time I've ever. Is this the first time anyone who isn't you has called a break? Yes. Damn. You want to take a break? Yeah. Good thing you thought of that, Chad. Thank you. Fuck. That was the that was like the whole bit that I had written, <laughs> and you really went for it. So, post Hell Doom, I think you guys might be as surprised as I was. Uh, 
Because when I was going through a lot of the early levels, I felt like I'd played something really similar to this before, and I could not put my finger on what it was. Because I knew it wasn't any early PC-style shooter, uh, or anything with even like remotely the aesthetic that Doom presents itself as. Right. It's Metroid Prime. I'm willing to commit that this game and Metroid Prime has a ton in common. I wouldn't know. <laughs> you never played Metroid Prime? No. How have I not forced you to play that game? Oh, because I got three when it came out, and I just did not like it. Oh. Weird. I've played both games. Yeah. Um, I can see a few similarities, but I think that the thing that your mind is latching onto here is jumping puzzles. Oh, there's more than jumping puzzles, my friend. I mean, I'm going to let you do your whole spiel, obviously. I have a lot to say about, like, how this game plays mechanically and how it's different than I think it tells people it is. <laughs> but I want to know how it's like Metroid Prime. Okay. Your ability to, like, win combat scenarios has less to do with how specifically well that you can aim as the shotguns normally, as a general rule, right. sort of, they make a lot of the aiming mostly irrelevant. And they instead, instead what matters is where you are relative to the positions of the enemies. Sure. You're constantly moving. You're almost constantly circle strafing if you have the option to do that in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You're fighting horrible alien-like creatures in monstrous environments that explode into chunks when you destroy them. All of your environments end up, by virtue of their existence, being sort of arena-designed whenever you're in areas that are combat-oriented. But you always have the the consistent ability to explore for power-ups completely as much as you do or don't want to. The maps are pretty much like of exactly the same style. I've heard to the detriment of other people, but not to me. It was like, oh man, this is just the map from Metroid Prime, and I was completely <laughs> familiar with like using 3D spatial maps. Oh, you're talking about like the literal map screen? Yeah, the map you looked at twice, probably ever. When I, I I've played what constitutes about two and a half playthroughs of this game, uh, and. I, st- I used the map on my later playthroughs because I was cleaning up secrets and stuff. So mm-hmm. I did use it a lot. And yes, my experience with Metroid Prime probably helped my ability to read such a map. Yeah. It all is a 2D version, but when you're looking for secrets, it's like a huge detriment to use the 2D version versus the 3D. Because if you use the 2D version, it doesn't show height because that is the nature of two dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a 2D map. It's if you just... It's not. If you press the button, it just, like, flattens the map. Like, it flips it so that you're looking at it like it was straight drawn above. on paper. Yeah, like oh, a topographical okay. Not even a topographical map. Weird that they commit a button specifically for that. I guess it makes some sense. Yeah, I think it's just if you want to be like, what general direction should I be going in? It's like that one, yeah. But, I mean, I, don't, I feel like in Doom you're not checking the map to progress. The only time you're checking the map is to find secrets. Completely agree. Yeah, like, I think the game does, like, a super good job in its, uh, in its design, in its level design, its enemy placement, to, like, draw your attention to critical paths. You can't forget the color green. The color green is very important to this game. Yeah, the color green shows you, like, what you can jump to and what doors are unlocked and because of that, like, the doors have, like, a very bright, like, green light source coming from them. But, like, even... 
uh, in the Lazarus Labs level, uh, there's a point where you, like, go, you, like, go through a vent and drop into this arena, and then you go through an arena, and then you go through a door. After you go through the door, you're presented with, like, a dead end, but then an imp jumps down on top of you. And so you kill the imp, and then you're like, that imp came from up there, and you jump to the thing, and you continue along the critical path. And it's like, it's an area that's really close to a place where there's a secret, so that area is just like a microcosm of everything where the game is like, go do the critical path, and we're going to show you how to do it. But if you want to find the secrets, you can stop here, check your map, figure out what's going on. You can kind of control the pace of the game yourself, Mm -hmm. because the combat is so self-contained. Like, at no point are you, like, hindered from finding a secret because there are just too many enemies in the way. The game has a very set number of enemies and, like, a set way it wants you to proceed with its combat. Yeah. So it is going through these, like, clearly not even trying to hide it prescribed arenas. Yeah. No, yeah. They don't even... They have, like, symmetrically lined up shipping containers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that is like Metroid Prime. Because, like, my preferred Metroid games are the, like, 2D Metroid games Mm -hmm. that are more platform-heavy. And in those games, when you, like, leave an area and re-enter, all the enemies respawn. Yeah. Doom can't do that because it's trying to be a contiguous world. And Metroid Prime doesn't do that because... Contiguous world? Is that really right? Like, the level. Like, it's one level, and the level has X number of enemies. And once you deplete that number, there's zero enemies. Right. Yeah, the whole thing is about getting rid of all the enemies. Right. There's a meter constantly present that shows how many enemies you have gotten rid of. Right. That's not to 100%, though. I know. It's but close. Yeah. You can feel satisfied at the end. You're yeah. like, I killed the people. <laughs> but that's, like the, that's the same in Metroid Prime, where it's like each area it, you... I'm pretty sure you have to go through, like, a load. It's been a long time since I played Metroid Prime. Yeah. But you have to go through, like, a loading screen before things respawn, right? Um, that's a really specific piece like of Like a weird game. mechanical question. The game doesn't have strict loading screens. It just has the room buffers and elevators. Right. Uh, it's There's no, like, literal, like, bottom screen animation thing loading time that I can remember. But... Yeah, you have to be very far away before things actually respawn. It's sort of hybrids in that way. Most of the time when you're going through one contiguous zone, unless you trigger something different, the enemies stay dead. Yeah. Yeah. It just Once I got in the mindset, particularly later when you get to the hell levels and they start to use the color green a whole lot less frequently as a signal of you can go here, right. um, it, which is, I assume, an intentional choice on their part just to sort of confuse you, when I started treating it like Metroid Prime, I actually found myself... It was a lot easier for me to, like, remember 3D spaces and get through everything that was sort of happening around me. Yeah, you essentially, like, um, I think the first level in hell, I want to say. The uh, hell the, the hell dimension? Yeah, the first hell dimension level, uh, I think, is the first one that does this. I, I think it's the one I'm, I'm hoping it's the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, has, like, an arena that gets reused twice. Like, yeah. you enter the arena... Then you get the yellow skull, and then you go through like a separate pathway, and then you warp back to the start of the level and go through the arena again with a different key. And I think that 
that kind of thing is like at that point the the game wants you to remember the level instead of just like figuring out how to progress and even though that first hell level did keep the arena structure i thought it sort of mixed up the design in another interesting sort of like putting the player on the back foot way and that in that first section of hell at the very least there weren't a whole lot of like prescribed rooms like there are rough areas the caves yeah but you can like jump over the top of things and get into other things it's like you're on this whole sort of mountainous region with no clearly defined boundary between areas and there are lots of different ways you can go through the different zones and that's so different than the like planned constructed hallways that you've been going through for a lot of the non-arena portions of the other levels right on mars yeah I cannot, in my mind, just picture that as Mars. Like, it's just one... It's For some reason, that is the one fact about this game that is so out there that I just don't <laughs> even accept it. Like, <laughs> that you're on Mars? Yes, that you're on Mars. Well, I mean, it's like, it's been... I think they want it to have been terraformed, but there's no, like, plant life or anything. There's also no Martians, right? Well, there are no Martians on Rio Mars either. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> there were lots of people on Mars, but then they turned into demons because they were possessed by demons. Do we get like an explicit year that this game takes place in? Probably not. I don't know. Because we could be seeing like the, the genesis of Martians in this game. Oh, you're saying it takes place in like the distant past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it takes place on Earth instead uh, of Earth. It's like three E's. What a twist. Uh, I'm actually, I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I know that, like, the the overarching, like, theme of the game is that it's kind of like, and I can't believe we keep referencing this game. I don't know how it keeps happening. It's kind of like Bioshock Infinite, <laughs> where the implication is that uh, you, like, are... You are the Doom Slayer in, like, hell terms, and Doom Guy in real human being terms. Because that's a human, that's what you would call a person. Doom Guy. He's Doom Guy. That that has canonically been his name since 1993, and in this game the only mention they ever have of it is the Doom Slayer. But that does not make it human terms, that makes it... Martian robot military complex. Now it's only terms. in hell when you have like the prophecy the, stones. Yeah, of the doom. So the whatever Satan figure recorded those messages for you. Right, and presumably <laughs> since Samuel Hayden is the only sentient thing that seems to still be alive in this game, uh, he probably thinks of you as the Doom Slayer because all of his knowledge of you comes from hell. Yeah. So, uh, Doom Guy was just the like source code <laughs> reference to anything that dealt with you, you're the player character in the first Doom, yeah. and they just kind of canonized it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, like Metroid Prime then, since that seems to be what we're jumping off of for this. Metroid Prime is a shooter, but it's like a, it's very much like a Metroid game at the same time. Yeah. And Doom is a shooter, but it's kind of, it's it's a much smarter shooter not than Metroid Prime specifically, but like that it gives itself credit for. Because the game wants you to be all rip and tear, rip and tear, but in reality, the game like 
it funnels you into like specific actions that fit your playstyle the best. Of what type? I think that the way that this game is designed, especially in the early stages, it wants to teach you that like so the basic mechanics are point and shoot. When you shoot a guy, he'll occasionally drop a little bit of health. When you do a glory kill, he drops more health. When you kill something with a chainsaw, it drops ammo. So the combat loop that this game emphasizes is the idea of, uh, like, you want to be moving toward danger at all times. Mm -hmm. You start, you, like, just start off running you sprint toward a thing, and if it deals damage to you, big fucking deal, because you're just going to rip its head off and, like, drain its blue health pickups and regain all of that lost health so you can proceed to the next thing. And I think that that works really well with this style of game because it prevents you from being stuck in situations that a lot of shooters with this uh, same sensibility of design and this pedigree tend to fall into where you'll end up in a situation where you have too little health because the game doesn't use regenerating health and there are no health pickups and you end up like cowering behind a box not knowing what to do mm -hmm. where this game just says like if you find yourself in that kind of a situation just throw yourself at the next thing that you see and then just rip its head off and get health for it and then just keep going uh and, of course, the chainsaw is there to emphasize the same thing, but also refill your ammo. Yeah, stopping is always death in Doom. Right. It's just a bad idea to not be on the offensive. But the game does allow you to play in a way that makes aiming actually matter, if you choose to, especially near the end, and sometimes it can actually be beneficial. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things this game does, is it, and it's a thing that's been in the Doom series since 93, uh, what is uh, monster infighting. So monsters will hurt each other with their regular attacks, but then additionally, like, factions of monsters exist. I, I was always unclear on this. I took advantage of it on a couple of different circumstances, but I never understood what triggered it or, like, why only these ones. Yeah, it's like revenants, uh, which are the jetpack rocket guys, Yeah, are, like, allied with basically the more humanoid-looking things. So, like, you're possessed... Your unwilling Hellraisers, things like that. Yeah. And there are tend to be against like the more demonic looking things like Cacodemons and Mancubists. Uh, Hell Knights seem to just be on a one way ticket to your face town. Uh, and so they just like, they will still like just crush an imp underfoot if they happen to run by them. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, they don't have like a beef with demons. It seems they just they just want to fucking tear your head. They're honorable because they're the Hell Knights. Yeah, they're Hell Knights. They have a code of conduct. I don't like. I don't know if I've ever been in a situation where I've seen a Baron of Hell like attack another thing, but I mean I'm not sure. But basically, like that kind of a thing will happen, and you can take advantage of that with weapons like the Gauss cannon, <laughs> or even like the pistol charge shot, or the scoped version of the heavy machine gun. Because you can kind of stand back, let them do their thing, and, like, help out the weaker one by putting a few shots into the big guy, or, like, just cleaning up at the end. Uh, and it's like, you can use the game's systems in a way to, at, like, 
I, it's been, I've played through the game twice, and like I feel like there are combos of runes that you can use to make the game play in a different manner. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I think there's... And I think that's also emphasized further by a lot of the choices that you get. There's a lot of sort of weird, redundant systems in this game. And that, like, you have your runes, and you have your armor upgrades, and four different armor upgrade trees, right. with three different layers in each of those four trees. And you've got two different possible upgrade paths for all of your guns, with three layers in each gun, and, well, that's not each gun, but two to three layers in each gun, and an ultimate of that that you have to unlock, and you have to unlock the ultimates of the runes. Like, there's just so many systems that all accomplish, like, different ways of trying to... Just make you good. Yeah, just, like, just do a different play style. They could have easily synced all of this into sort of just, like, one consistent leveling tree of some kind, but they just didn't want to for whatever reason. But I'm not even necessarily making a statement one way or the other about whether that's good or bad. All I'm saying is that there's enough variety and enough different points that you get that you spend on things that give you special abilities that I fully believe with this game until the end game, when you just have everything if you explore, has builds. Right. I think the runes especially because you, you can't just use all of them. Yeah, you have to pick three. Yeah. And all the other ones, eventually, you'll probably get the ability to just use all of them. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I know it's true, at least, of the Argent Energy Spheres. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that it's, like, exactly the same amount. Like, it's 100% bar, where it's, like, if you get every single secret, then you will have every upgrade. That's correct. Yeah. So... Yeah, like, theoretically you could do that in one run, but, like, I mean, I I am terrible at finding those secrets. <laughs> like, the the first armor upgrade that I got was the uh, the one that, like, pulses the radar when you're near a secret. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, I think I found, like, maybe four because of that. The thing is, after I got it, mostly redundant. Uh, it generally, with only a couple of exceptions... You're, like, on top of the secret when it pings. Right. Not literally, like, the object that you pick up, like the doll or something, because mm-hmm. that would be silly. But, uh, example, one of the... Uh, the secret will ping when you're in a, uh, a bathroom, I think it was. <laughs> and if you look straight up from, like, where you're standing in the bathroom when it starts pinging, right above your head is just a little corridor thing. Like a vent. Yeah. I might be confusing that and another actual, like progress you had to do but there was some circumstance where there was an event either right above you or right below you and you had to be on that thing for it to ping at all and that's right. why I used sort of a test well I mean that's like the, the audio cue because yeah. it does like it becomes like a grey and then a, a green yellow red as you get closer to it and it also vibrates your controller at different rates oh I didn't use a controller so oh yeah uh, man are they vibrating mice probably that would be not comfortable a sex toy Everything that vibrates is a sex toy. Fair enough. Uh, Stop discriminating. Everything that vibrates could be a sex toy. Right. The PlayStation 4 controller is not a sex toy. Like, it could be used as such. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're getting into interesting sort of like definitional discussions. We are getting here. into you... an interesting definitional discussion of first-person shooters and how this game proves, I think, completely... <laughs> weirdly tied into this note uh, that you don't have to make a game really slow for people with a controller to be able to play it. 
Because I played through this entire game with a controller. Is that like an actual... Is that something that people believe? That you can only create fast shooters with a keyboard and mouse input oh, device? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm outside of a this. A lot of people <laughs> who play shooters, at least from my like understanding, like will not play them on consoles. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. That's... I don't, what you're talking about there is the keyboard and mouse being a better input right. for first-person shooters. What I'm talking about is specifically shooters in which the player character and the things happening around them are fast. It's well, less... Mm. It's kind of that. There was a, it's, it's, it's reflected in the design of a lot of shooters that were designed specifically for consoles. Like, take Bioshock, for example. Yeah. As a... A game that got ported to PC, but it was developed for consoles originally. And those shooters, and that's kind of where Gears came from as well. The idea that, like, in order to make an engaging first-person shooter, we need things to slow down so that people can, like, use an analog stick to aim because you have slower turning in order to get, like, the optimal, like, whatever shot on things. And, uh... Would you describe, like, Halo as a slow shooter? In comparison to, like, late 90s, early 2000s PC arena shooters, it's it's sluggish. Sure, but that's not the comparison that I'm trying to but make. But that's where, the, that's where the divide happened, though, is between PC shooters, which, tend, which tended to be games like Quake and Doom and Unreal Tournament, which are, like, incredibly fast, rely on ludicrous things that you just, like cannot do with a controller like rocket jumping in Quake uh, as like part of the like mainstay metagame uh, versus like GoldenEye which came out in 97 which is just like a guy will stand and look at you for three seconds before taking a shot not really a fair comparison because the N64 only had one analog stick yeah but I get where you're going at there I'm mostly just I guess this is less a description about the relative statements, which makes sense, and more about me just being stunned that things like like gameplay like Halo could be described as slow by <laughs> to somebody because oftentimes situations in that game will quickly outpace like my abilities, my like reaction time abilities. I I'm very sluggish on those things. I I feel like not to talk too much about Halo. I feel like they have. They use that to their advantage. Like part of the single player campaigns of Halo are, I think, really well designed. I think that they use things like vehicles as a way to make things, like to make the player look for a different way to approach a situation because of limitations of the controller they're using. Weapon switching. Right, and that's kind of the same thing that goes on in Doom, in that. They use things like different enemy types to make you rethink what type of weapon you're going to use on them. Because this game gives you, like, a million billion weapons. Yeah, I didn't even count the number of weapons, actually, on that <laughs> wheel. I just did. It was all natural. Yeah. It was all natural. <laughs> all natural chain guns. But, uh, did you guys, like... I'm curious, because, like, it got to a point... Because I know that if you just tap R1, it, like flips like your once again controller uh with a controller if you tap the weapon change button it swaps between it's probably like q or something yeah uh it swaps the weapon that you have with the last weapon you had out good choice it is q yeah 
uh, <laughs> play a lot of shooters. Uh, <laughs> but then if you hold in the key, it'll bring up the weapon wheel, and then you select from the wheel. Yeah, also also correct. Yeah. I don't think that after I got the like fourth gun, I ever just tapped the button anymore. Yeah. I always used the yeah, button. Unless it was on accident. Yep. Right. And so, like, I think that this game, like, it, I don't know. Like, I always had, and I'm actually just curious as to what your experiences with, with it were. I always had, like, t- an enemy to weapon, like, match in my head where I was like, oh, in this situation, if I have a pinky demon, I'm going to use the chain gun. Oh, the pink, yeah, the pinky demon are the horned demons. I don't, I don't that even have that are pink. That are pink and I, run on two legs I, and charge you. I went through this whole thing in my mind earlier since you've you've used so many of the nouns to describe <laughs> stuff in Doom before. Like, the thought process step by step was these names are so stupid and so non-descriptive. They're just references to the old names that they had in Doom when it was even more okay for them to just be stupid and non-descriptive. <laughs> But it doesn't matter in this game at all. Not none of the lore in this game matters, or probably would even exist right. if they could have gotten it past development. They yeah. don't care what the names of the demons are, even slightly. I think they do care about that kind of stuff. I think the, but only like retroactively. Maybe. I mean, the way that I see it is, they talk a lot about how it was like inevitable that the first-person shooter genre got its start in Western games. Because in the West, we tend to fetishize things like weapons. Yeah. And, what, like, this game is, like, such a good example of that. Like, for, like, warts and all, like, the good and bad things about the first-person shooter genre are pretty much all present in this game, barring, like, just, like, murder for no reason. Yeah. Because they're demons. <laughs> but, like... I think that the game wants you to know the names of the weapons and the names of the enemies because they want to share like kind of like a, a like a, a like a nudge nudge sort of like tongue in cheek jokey attitude with the player because what's portrayed on screen is a guy in like a in a freaking Gordon Freeman hazardous environment suit shooting demons with guns in a way that portrays itself as being, like, dead serious from, like, a pulled-back perspective. But then the game wants you to be like, those are cacodemons. <laughs> they have a dumb name and look just like beholders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I do think you're stuck in a rock or a hard place here, at least, or at least the game is stuck between a rock and a hard place here, because I think either the game should just not want you to care about the demons beyond their, like, really well done like modeling as an ex- the way that the game uses the models of the demons to display what they're supposed to do right uh or if they want you to care they should give things names that aren't fucking cacodemon that give me no information at all about the thing i could ask 1000 people who have never played doom before what they think a cacodemon is described is describing beyond a demon, and I bet I would never get anything approaching a beholder from D and D. Right. I, I, there's just so many of the nouns yeah. that you, you spell off. I think it just doesn't matter to them. Yeah, that yeah. was my, that was my perspective on it. Because the only thing that you get in terms of like like them shoving the names of the shit in your face, other than which they don't really do. Yeah, it's just, it's, it pops, pops up. Yeah. if you if you collect the thing. No, you don't even have if 
There's like a a multi-stage like lore unlocking tier. Yes, there you is. You can pick up the the PDAs to get the information, but that's like the deeper information. Oh yeah, murdering get, them gives you one, doesn't yeah, it? You, yeah, you get the first one's free. <laughs> first hit of cacodemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I kept calling them beholder demons, yeah, which yeah. I actually think is a cool name, and they should have just called them that. And descriptive. They don't want them to have cool names, true, though. True. Like, I don't even... D- Doom was a shareware title originally, and so didn't have luxury of things like manuals. Like, if you wanted to know something about Doom, you had to, like, make the effort to actually look it up. And so I feel like these names are, like... Uh, this is one of those things that I would concede is, like, clearly just a thing to appeal to people who've played the other game. But then, like, the the menagerie of demons of, like, the Doom series is a, like, is a, a, a standing thing that has gone through every iteration of the games. And so it's not like they could just come out with Doom 2016 and be like, we drop no more keg demons, no cyber demon fight. I had... Come on, series do that all the time based on iterations and design constraints. If you move to, like, a, a new game... If you move to a n- new sequel in, like, a series of a game and a type of enemy that served a very specific function in the last game doesn't particularly fit in the new game, then it gets dropped. Right, but, I mean, this obviously is a game where everything just yeah. fits. And that's honestly kind of astonishing, right? Oh, yeah. Does this game yeah. even have any unique enemies? Yeah. Uh, Hellraiser's are new... The possessed are new, but they were just the zombies. Possessed in, aren't anything, in, right? Yeah. And the the possessed soldiers, like the gunmen, are just basically a swap, like one for one replacement from with the sergeants in Doom One. And the like unwilling are just like the zombies in Doom Three. Regardless, I just think it's. I think Hellraisers are new. I just think it's amazing that so many of the old tropes match so well in a game of this unique compared well this is the thing where it's like this is where they did want the game to just to be a rehash of 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 doom where they wanted the game to look on its face like doom and then surprise you by making it so like smart and put together in comparison to what could have happened where they just slapped those in with shitty mechanics and said, like, look, it's a game from a series that you played. Yeah, it's a real testament to the, the, all the design teams, I think, that it yeah. kind of came together so well. Yeah. And also, I feel like the names are probably what the nicknames the developers gave the demons when they were designing them, and then they just kept them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that seems likely. Like a lot, like you could have probably found these by just opening up like a .txt file that came with the install. Yeah, just of like Doom. Doom Guy. Yeah. yeah, they called him Doom Guy, because and then of, that yeah. caught on. It's like I feel like that's the way it is with like all of the demons yeah. too. Oh, by way of a fun fact, in this vein, uh, the BFG nine thousand, um, everyone's favorite demon destroying laser gun. Yeah. Uh, I looked this up because I somehow was just unaware of it has never gone under any sort of pretense. It has always just, in the context of the game, been the big fucking gun 9000. <laughs> but uh, I guess in the, the movie with The Rock, 
I forgot that existed. <laughs> they tried to hand wave it by calling it the Bioforce gun. Oh, fuck that. That's the worst. <laughs> I like, want to hear The Rock say the Bioforce bio gun. No, you want to hear The Rock say, give Zoom me that big, big fucking gun. gun. 9,000. <laughs> That's like, like the nerdy guy who hands him the gun says, so, yeah. 9,000. 9,000. <laughs> uh, actually, the nerdy guy in that game got turned into, or in that, movie. Ga- that movie based on a game, got turned into the Pinky Demon. Because <laughs> he was Pinky. Don't quote me facts about the Doom movie. Uh, yeah. It just makes you seem desperate, Chad. <laughs> it just makes you seem like I've seen the Doom movie, <laughs> which is probably worse than being desperate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it has the rock in it. Yeah. You could do worse. What I was going to say, though, is... Uh, with all of like the fact that they brought the enemies back and they made the game so that it looked like the old dooms and so that thing those fucking weird things fit in this new game uh, I think like your point where they like when you sequelize a game and things don't fit you take them out and you replace them with a new thing yeah but like I think that this game had a statement to make when it came out and so that wasn't gonna happen they rebooted Tomb Raider recently yeah. I don't know that much about Tomb Raider, and they probably all actually do star Lara Croft, but for sake of argument, <laughs> if we, they made a Tomb Raider game that starred, like, a dude or some other person, and then they... Pre- Uncharted. They, right, yeah. <laughs> if Uncharted was just Tomb Raider 6, Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, <laughs> A Thief's End, uh, <laughs> Underworld, Apocalypse... The, Stop uh, it, no! <laughs> the regression is starting! Uh, then, they re- and then they released a game later that was just called Tomb Raider. Nathan Drake sure as fuck wasn't going to be the protagonist. They're going to put Lara Croft back in the game on a reboot. Sure, so I just disagree Doom that... is obviously going to have cacodemons and barons of hell. Doom does not star cacodemons. On some level, it kind of does. If you're a Google search to Doom, because you probably get the first image is probably like the, the pixelated gun right. pointed at a cacodemon. But even if that's the case <laughs> in the culture, none of the marketing material that they set out early was like, <laughs> if you look at the front of the Doom box art, it's the Doom guy. Because yeah, of Doom course guy. it's the Doom Looking guy. Like right. And the spoiler Chief. trailer, as you already stated, is giant skeleton missile person. The right. Revenant. Yeah. Like, I don't... Of course you would, if there was a game series in which they took out the main character and then rebooted it, they'd bring the main character back. Right. I'm just saying... It would be like making a Mario game with no Goombas. Which they've done. It's called Mario Sunshine. <laughs> Catch us next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Also, Super Mario World had Galoombas. That was actually what I was thinking uh, of. I did not know Super Mario Sunshine didn't have Goombas. By my count, it had no Goombas. Come I'm, back I'm in fr- two weeks. Yeah, we will. The first thing we will discuss is how many Goombas are in Super Mario Sunshine. Either way, you're right. Doom does not star the Cacodemon. but in a first-person shooter. The player character doesn't mean a whole lot, so the enemies are kind of the stars. I They're agree what you're looking at. One million percent. Like I actually despise. I disagree the... fervently. Actually, <laughs> okay. yeah. I really hate the cover art for the new game because it is just like 
Master It's Chief. Master Chief! Yep, I, I'm on the same page. Oh, man! The Did they make him just look like Master Chief for no reason? No, no, no. That applies to that point, too. But, I mean, Master Chief oh. is the star of Halo. That's true. But, I mean, that's a, that's a game that has, like, a continuous plot line that Doom does not have. And, like, you could argue that, like, Duke Nukem stars Duke Nukem. And Serious Sam stars. Stars Serious Sam. His, his name's actually Serious Sam, right? Serious Sam. Okay, just making sure. He is not fucking around, <laughs> Sam. Just checking. <laughs> He's not fucking around, Frank. That's a different game. <laughs> Marcus Phoenix. Not a first-person shooter. Also, nobody knows anything about Marcus Phoenix. People who have played all the Gears of War games are like, oh yeah, uh, Marcus... There's like a whole plot line when you go back to his house. Yeah, fucking who cares about that when you have a chainsaw bayonet? I say, yeah, I'm pretty sure no one who plays Doom gives one fuck about Doom Guy. Or they hold him up as an icon that is just yeah. like an ironic, like the fi- he is the face in the bottom of the screen yeah. in Doom. And in the context of this Doom... He's he at least he should be abstracting away from all the story nonsense. He should be just a force of nature. Right. That's just all that he is. He's just a being that exists to murder these demons. And I think that's it. I think that an amazing like uh, example of him just being a force of nature that only exists to murder demons <laughs> is uh, this game over screen that Andy got that I never saw. That is the greatest thing that's ever happened in of video all games. Time, yeah. yeah. Basically, he. Whenever you die, the camera just like stays firmly planted where your head should be. Yeah. And so, like, you'll have things where, like, you know, like you get blown apart, but your head is floating there, and you see like the bottom half of your body drop to its knees and fall over. Yeah. Or like your actual head roll in front. And he fell into a pit of lava. And as like you were seeing like his hands descending into the lava, he just like gave up on the whole like, oh no. And just, like, gave a thumbs up. And then, like, <laughs> slowly sunk into the yeah, light. Yeah, it was just like... <laughs> oh, my God. This is a Terminator 2 reference. Right, but that's hilarious. It is hilarious. And yes. it, like, perfectly shows. It's just, like, Doom Guy isn't a... Cause, yeah, he doesn't exist. Because Doom Guy doesn't give a thumbs up as he's falling in if he Doom was, like, Guy a space marine. is the silent protagonist. Yeah. It's, yeah. like, he is a total blank slate. And it's just you. Yeah. yeah. They don't even, I don't even, it's it's not they, even like, like, even want you to impress your values and beliefs upon the Doom guy. He's obviously not. not. Yeah, he's not like a silent protagonist in the sense that like Link is, where you're just assuming that you are reacting in roughly equivalent ways to the character when you encounter the things that you do. Right. Doom guy is like the robot that you control from a distance. He's like, he's got like plot armor. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But, like, you like, don't ever, like, believe that he's a real character in real danger. No. He, he has plot armor in the context of Doom, where there Which is, is no armor. plot. <laughs> and, yeah. And so his plot armor is that you just don't care if he dies. Yeah. Because you know he's coming back, and I think so does yeah. Doom Guy. Yeah. 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 It's, like I said, it's unapologetically video gaming. Which right. gets me... To the uh. moment in Doom that made me the most angry, and this in this whole thing, which is the very last scene of the game, the worst scene of the game. Yes, it is pretty bad. Where nine foot tall robot Sam just says, "Like after all this time, and I've been watching you, I think I understand you now. You think 
that in order to end this monstrous threat, you have to just kill them all and just remove any possible trace of their existence from the world. No, Sam person, fuck you. That is not what he thinks. Do you, the, the people who like wrote the story of this game honestly think for one second that the Doom guy ever considered a justification for his actions? That's completely ridiculous. The Doom guy is not like, for the good of mankind, I'm going to rip hundreds of arms off of hundreds of things with arms. No, all he did was just all that he can do. Which is create meat chunks. He maybe Gibbs. Maybe please. the robot Gibbs. doesn't underst- have the capacity to understand Doom Guy and just assumes that he has a justification for what yeah. he's doing. What he does understand is uh, Samuel Hayden's understandings are twofold. <laughs> One, the only way to stop Doom Guy appears to be to put him into a rock and then stick him somewhere on a shelf for a while. And two, that they're, they're going to make a sequel to this video yeah, game. Yeah, they were just like, uh, well, what do we write? <laughs> Those are the two things that I think he gets at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. it was completely shoehorned, and I don't even yeah. think they would deny that. If, <laughs> like, at the end of the game, you just, like, like the Spider Mastermind, you blow it up with the BFG, and then the credits roll, yeah. nobody would be upset. They would be like, fuck yeah! <laughs> 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 He's got a big hole in his brain. Yeah, they shoot like a handheld cannon at their television and then ride off on steeds of fire. The credits start rolling, but your gun stays up on the screen. And and you you shoot shoot the the credits. credits. (laughs) And then they just fall away and the credits don't even play. Because who gives a fuck? Because it's Doom. (laughs) The only way they could possibly make that ending scene consistent in Doom 2016 2 is if... They do the way too edgy That's what they thing. Should call it. <laughs> it, it comes out like two months from now. <laughs> it's just comprised of snap. It just it's of, new maps. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when you open the next game in the way too edgy method of Samuel Hayden was just wrong, and instead all Doom Guy does is murder, and he just goes back to Earth, and he just starts <laughs> on the spree <laughs> until he gets to Samuel Hayden, and kills him too. Yeah, right. And then some more, and then like another antagonist shows up, <laughs> and there's game, another bullshit cliffhanger. I understand you now. You're just a psychopath. Doom two, <laughs> still wrong. Doom two or Doom twenty sixteen two <laughs> will probably start with Doom guy getting unfrozen or whatever, right. and immediately ripping Samuel Hayden's head off and killing him in the first five seconds. I'd actually be pretty into that. Yeah, like, like he just starts out with like the he'll grab kill. that sword that he had. And just like jam it down his face. Yeah. And then that's how the game <laughs> starts. And you just have the sword, and that's the unique selling point. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now, he'll, he'll carry the sword till he sees a gun, and then he'll throw the sword away. <laughs> like, there will be like an actual like New York City uh, sanitation office, like silver grouch garbage can. <laughs> and it, like, just completely out of place in the corner, in he just tosses the sword <laughs> in. <laughs> and it, like, cuts through the and ground. Then and then he picks up the gun, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> as a guitar riff plays. Yeah. We did it. We wrote the beginning of Doom 2016, too. <laughs> All right. The Doomening. The do- yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> we've gone on for a while. So I just want to get some, like... Some quick hits in some hit clips. Yeah, some 
hit clip. Uh, for, uh, just, like, at the end here. Yeah. Um, one, they've announced that there's, like, at the time of this recording, that the only DLC they have planned for this game is multiplayer-related. Good. No. What? The multiplayer is terrible. No, no, good that they're not just adding more single-player stuff onto this already finished product. I would rather them just make the, like, 2016 Doom, as we just described. Man, oh, they, you would just rather them make yeah, a I sequel would rather, than just ludicrous? I would rather the thing we just described happen I'm, instead of any DLC exist. I'm <laughs> on the same page. I'd rather they just make a new game. I feel like the story should not stop them, from, because they're already in development for these multiplayer packs that no one is playing. I yeah. tried to play the multiplayer. I got two games and then waited 15 minutes for a lobby and it never filled up, so I quit. Uh, like, they should just can any multiplayer content they have planned and just release single-player levels because their single-player is so good. If they have the development time paid for, they should yeah. use it to make something that's good because yep. clearly they can make good single-player. They don't have the, they probably don't have the time that. paid for. They probably have the assets paid for. But that's entirely different than the discussion that, that I was having, which was, you can, we can just exclude both of those things, <laughs> and we can just get, get our, that. Yeah, yeah. our, our New York what... set doom, where the <laughs> demons are back, and, I don't know, All they're right. angry, okay. probably. It seems reasonable. Those are just my thoughts on the matter. Alright, what's the second punch? You gotta uh, come in with additional, in your berserk final podcast zone. Oh yeah, in. the berserk uh I love that power-ups just exist in the game and yeah. they don't fucking care. Yeah. In also, I love that they brought Quake's quad damage power-up into Doom. Like, they were just like, yes, <laughs> that's good. And it seemed like every time I picked up that power-up, I always had the super shotgun, which is secretly just the best weapon to have four times the amount of damage on it. Because <laughs> you just, just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I kind of want to know what your, like, go-to weapons were. Ooh. I assume we both have to think about this, don't we? I don't. My walking around gun was the uh, the machine gun. Right. The assault rifle, whatever. It's the heavy machine gun. Heavy the machine gun. <laughs> no uh, light machine gun. There's no light machine gun. There's no <laughs> sub-machine gun in this game. And then my probably two <laughs> most used guns <laughs> other than that were the combat shotgun and the plasma rifle. That's see that was my <laughs> when I was watching you play. I know I already said this to you, but like I was really hoping that you would like the plasma rifle because I hated the plasma rifle uh, and loved the Gauss cannon. J- I think disproportionately because it used ammo from my plasma rifle, right. so I never was like, oh, I should really use that gun. I don't like. You just answered so many questions in my mind about shared ammo types. I always, I never understood why they went down. Oh, you um, didn't know that it used the same ammo? No, I thought that the Gus cannon used like metal bars. Oh, like it was like firing and like a yeah. I thought uh, that would be the ammo and not just. I guess it makes sense because the metal bars probably aren't limited. But but <laughs> my go-to walking around gun uh, was just the regular pistol, which I had super fun with because uh, I loved the charge of the pistol and. It was, like, a way for me to keep, like, really easy circumstances in the game still as, like, a skill test. 
So I could go through and like try and headshot the people with a charged pistol, and I used no ammo, so I felt good about myself. I thought those situations were in the game so that I would walk into the next arena with three fewer shots in my shotgun. <laughs> so, I did that. Anytime I was going into a complete unknown room, I'd have the heavy machine gun on, so I could, because since I didn't know where anything would be, I always wanted to be able to shoot things at range. And then after that, because I ammo was the last thing that I upgraded, and I enjoyed that because I thought that it it would force me in the game to use all of the weapons consistently, which is what I wanted to do in a game like this anyway. Right. So I just intentionally upgraded my ammo last so that I could never just have like pet guns once shit got real, and it was great because I was just constantly switching all the, all the damn time. Yeah. I see. I upgraded ammo. All the way before I touched anything else. And I think a lot of the reason for that was the chainsaw. Because uh, the chainsaw is a really great get-out-of-combat-free scenario when you're just in a... Especially before you get the BFG, where you're just in a situation where you want to, like... Where you're, like, in trouble, and there's a big dude, and you're like, I don't know what to do about this situation. You just pull out the chainsaw and get a free one-hit kill and refill your ammo on all your other guns. Mm -hmm. And then switch to whatever you want and, like, kill small guys to get your health back. Yeah, that was my excuse, partially, in fact, to not upgrade ammo at all. Like, there was never a time in the game when I got even close to running out of ammo. I only ran out of ammo with specific weapons, which is why I assume that the ammo power-up exists as a thing that you can do early. It's so that you can have favorites. That's what it gets you. I leveled my ammo up all the way, like fairly quickly along with health. You also found way more of the Argent Energy. True. Tree. When I was cleaning up, I kept, like, running into of those boxes that were, like, right on the critical path that I was just, like, happily running by. Like, <laughs> That's just, like, how you play games, though. Yeah. It's true. I was gonna say something. You upgraded your ammo oh, yeah. early really quick. Yeah, and I still, like, found myself, like, having to switch guns all the time because I was running out of ammo. So... Yeah, I mean, if you use the chainsaw regularly, it's not. See, I tried to use it sparing because, like, when I got it, it was like it's only got three charges. So I was like, use this sparingly. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the way that you use the chainsaw is the more like ammo efficient way of using the chainsaw, where you use it on like a guy who takes one bar, and you kill him, and you get all of the ammo that you would get from killing a bigger guy, and use less chainsaw gas, and I did the opposite where I used my whole chainsaw gauge on one guy and then like ran around with guns the rest of the time. But I always found myself with like too good to use syndrome with the chainsaw sometimes. Or really I don't and the BFG especially. But then like after like a combat would be finished, I would run around and notice that there were like three BFG ammo pickups and nine gas cans and been like I could have just chainsawed everybody. Oh, yeah. I was perpetually in a state of, I don't need this gas can. Like, I so rarely ever. Oh, use the chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. Chainsaw's really great, though. Yeah. It's, it's I love it as a design decision yeah. in the context of this game. It's literally, you are you will never run out of ammo. The game never wants you to stop running and attacking. So we gave you a thing that's just the other half of the loop just completed in yeah, a murder it's, circle. Yeah, it's completely a cycle. Super also, when you use a chainsaw on a Baron of Hell, you, like, cut his leg off, and he falls down, and then you just saw the top half of his head off <laughs> from the jaw, which is, like, the most intense fucking thing ever. <laughs> and then ammo pops out of him. It's wonderful. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Spine ammo. Um, 
Do you have a third punch? I have at least two more. Oh, oh God. All right. Uh, the the really quick one, because I already said the multiplayer was not real good. Yeah. It's kind of like they tried to take Doom's mechanics and put it into a Halo game. Yeah. I'll be I only ever played the Deathmatch game because that seemed to be the only one that had any players, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, but they have, like, other objective ones that I can't speak for, but it was just not very good. But the, the snap map is neat. I don't know what that word means. It's the third option on your on the main screen of the game. I do not change my sentence. Okay. Uh, basically what it is is you have big chunks of levels, and you can just glue them together into a level, and it can be a multiplayer map with custom rules or like a single-player map that's like a challenge to get through. And I played several of the single-player challenges, because obviously nobody was online playing random snap maps if they weren't playing the main multiplayer either. Uh, and it's really neat to see what you can do. It's kind of like a Tony Hawk-like skate park builder. That was a thing that existed in Tony Hawk games? Yeah, it was like the best part of Tony Hawk games. Oh. Other than... Are you really that surprised? Not, not that they surprised. They made so many Tony Hawk games. Sure. It was in it since, they, I think, the second I one. Say, that had to have been a feature eventually, right? Yeah. <laughs> the odds were... I guess... I just I never like idealized skateboarders. So so I I never. It's <laughs> it's a about Tony game. Hawk. That doesn't mean slightly. that feature can't be the Tony Hawk game. I never argued that it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah. also had to have idolized skateboarders to play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I did to even ever be interested in playing Tony Hawk's Pro uh, Skater once. It's like super fun. Yeah, it's one of my I, favorite games. I'd open to that. It could be. I'm just saying you're uh, you're. Limiting yourself, JJ. You gotta be yeah. more open minded than that. Well, it's certainly too late now, isn't it? No. And the, the last thing that exist. I wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> were the classic maps, which you guys also didn't play. So I'm just... I played one room one. Yeah, you found one of them. Yeah. You didn't play the actual level. Yeah. It just if you've played Doom, like 93, go fucking play these. Because it's so fucking weird that you can jump. In these games, and like the levels are clearly not designed for it, and you can like put yourself in a situation where the level doesn't work anymore, which is kind of funny. And I treated it dead seriously when I was trying to go through it, like just like let's beat this level. Yeah. And it's just so hard. Like the classic maps are so hard, just like they were before, but like. Added just nonsense because like the guns do different things and the enemies do not understand how to exist in such a narrow space. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm really glad they're in there. Like just as like a game design like artifact. It's like a museum, like a modern art museum in the Doom game. It's, it's like they took the Mona Lisa and then gave her a shotgun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we playing next time? Well, after all of the doom and gloom, uh, ha, ha, we're going to be talking about a much brighter, happier game, Super Mario Sunshine on the Nintendo GameCube. Thank God. I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play the game. I might need both of those weeks to like physically recover from what you just did with oh. that doom and gloom statement. 
At least we weren't doing a joint podcast on Doom and Pokemon. Doom and Gloom. <laughs> that, would be, that would be even worse. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, oh yeah, yeah, uh, you can do so at noclippodcast at gmail.com, on our website, noclippodcast.com, on Twitter, at noclippodcast, and on YouTube, just noclip. And remember, you can listen to this on iTunes if you aren't already. So, JJ, what kind of food is Doom? Doom is a spiny burr chestnut. It's extremely rough. It hurts you. It hurts the things around you. But at the inside, deep, deep down, it understands that it's just supposed to be like a a good, delicious thing. It just wants you to have fun. But you got to really dig past a lot of the sort of rough exterior. Demon presence eliminated. <laughs> well, fine, we didn't make even a single joke about like acceptable levels of demon presence. Doom. 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 Now Doom. we're talking about Doom. Doom. Doom.